It's time to celebrate. Football is finally back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests. The first one starts this Thursday night when Chicago and Green Bay kick off the season in a single-game showdown with $2.5 million in total prizes up for grabs. Draft your single-game showdown lineup and feel the sweat like never before. It's simple. Just draft six players from the season opener, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, new users who sign up today on DraftKings using code LOCKEDON will receive a free shot at the $1 million top prize. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the game quite like having a shot at a million-dollar payday. Get in on the season opener action. Download the DraftKings app now and use code Locked On for a limited time. Both new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to five hundred dollars. And new users don't miss this extra special week one bonus. Enter my code Locked On to get a free shot at one million dollars with your first deposit. That's code Locked On only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Deposit bonus requires a 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. You are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name to shame, cover up your face. You can't run the race. The pace is too fast. You just won't last. What's up and welcome back to Crossover Wednesdays here on the Locked On Podcast Network brought to you by Mack Weldon. The opening week of the NFL is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Promo code Locked On gets you 20% off at MacWeldon.com. I am James Yarko of the Locked On Bucks podcast, joined by Brian Peacock of the Locked On 49ers podcast. How you doing, buddy? How you doing, my man? I'm excited to talk uh, Bucks 49ers because there's real football about to happen. No more of this, uh, like, what could happen. It's like, oh, what is actually happening? It's real football. So I'm pumped. Week one, going to Tampa Bay. It's going to be a good matchup, and uh, I can't wait. Yeah, and we're definitely not short on storylines by any means heading into this game. And of course, the big one is the homecoming right out of the gate for linebacker Quan Alexander. So for those that haven't followed along from from the Buccaneers fandom, how has Quan been looking in training camp and in the preseason and kind of how is he taking to this this 49ers life? You know, he hasn't been doing much at all because he was coming off of that ACL injury and he finally made an appearance week three of the preseason against Kansas city and made his first uh, on field appearance. And I think the thing that really stood out to me, and I'm, I'm sure you already know this is I didn't realize the energy he brought like mm-hmm. you audibly hear him on the broadcast screaming after every play. And I don't know if it's because he's back on the field for the first time and coming back off the injury. So he's extra excited, but he was completely amped up and, Fred Warner playing next to him, who's probably one of the most underrated players in the league. Nobody really talks about. I think I expect big things from Fred Warner. So I'm really liking what I'm seeing just from an energy level and 
I loved seeing because Fred Warner is a pretty under control guy. He's a very cerebral player, very smart uh, middle linebacker. So to see those two guys feed off each other was really fun. And I think they're going to be active, a dynamic pair. And I liked what I saw from, uh, you know, looked a little bit like, you know, uh, maybe almost too amped up. Like, okay, slow it down. Let's read, react and go play football. But uh, I loved the energy level from Quan Alexander. I think he's going to be a nice, nice fit there at weak side linebacker. Yeah, that that pretty much sounds like Quan. Uh, and of course, the the Niners have had some some other injury issues. Of course, uh, Bosa has been held out for for the majority of of this preseason with an injury. How is he looking? Is he going to be good to go for week one? Is is this something the Buccaneers fans are going to have to dread a little bit? Yeah, the injury happened August 7th, so it's almost exactly a month, and it was about a four-week recovery, what they said, and he's back at practice this week, came back Monday, and he looks good at practice, so everything is on pace for him to play Sunday in week one, so that's great news, and uh, the thing with Nick Bosa is he's had the best reports out of training camp of any player defensively that the 49ers have had, going back to uh, Patrick Willis and. Alden Smith and all of the big fantastic rookies that the 49ers had in their heyday a few years back. He's been as good as all of them in practice and just insanely rave reviews about how good of a player he was. It was from day one when he stepped on the practice field. So staying healthy is the key for Nick Bosa. And if he is healthy for 16 games, I expect a huge year and defensive rookie of the year consideration. That's how good of a player I think he'll be for the 49ers and much needed to have some juice off the edge of that defense now week one I don't know if they will let him play a full workload he might be maybe only a passing down situation just because they don't want to overuse him coming back from that high ankle sprain but right now he's on schedule to play week one all right well I will be slightly terrified uh yeah and we'll we'll get into the matchup of of the Niners defensive line against the Bucks offensive line here in a little bit uh Last season, you know, the the year was a bit derailed with the injury to Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, the 49ers defense is definitely a formidable crew. How is the offense looking? You know, I'm one of those guys that I'm not sold on Jimmy G. I haven't been sold on Jimmy G. So maybe you can convince me to uh, to come over to that side of the fence. But I love I love the running backs. I'm a huge Matt Burita fan. I absolutely love that kid. Same. Yeah, one of the best tight ends in the game. Uh, yeah, what what do you see for the uh, the 49ers offense to kick off this season? Yeah, the, the 49ers offense, I think you said it because it's it's hard for someone on the outside looking in. It's even hard for someone really close to the team to know exactly what the identity is because we still haven't seen it. And we don't know what Jimmy Garoppolo is yet. We've seen flashes. He showed up and won five games like it was nothing when the 49ers couldn't buy a victory for the rest of the season leading up to that. So that was what got everybody excited last year. Once he had the weight of Kyle Shanahan's full playbook on his shoulders, he wasn't quite in midseason form yet when he got hurt in Kansas city week three. Now he's been out and had a really rough preseason game coming back from injury and then looked a lot better in week three in Kansas city getting sacked once. So living through that, I think that was a huge hurdle for Jimmy Garoppolo which we really needed to see. Uh, but yeah, we don't really know what the identity is going to be yet. Kyle Shanahan offenses are always really good at running the ball. And if you haven't had your fantasy football draft yet, you probably had it over the, the last weekend. But Matt Breida is the guy to own. And he might not be the, the starter week one. I think it's going to be, or at least if you go by what we saw in the preseason, it was Coleman, 
and Brita about a 60-40 share with Coleman being 1A, Brita being 1B. But Brita is just clearly better. And so I think by the end of the season, we're going to see that flip. And it still might only be a 60-40 flip, but it's going to be Matt Brita. I think it's going to get the rock more just because he's better and, and the ball moves better when he's in there. But Jimmy Garoppolo, even with only eight starts under his belt, he's 6-2. and two. And when you compare that to other quarterbacks that were playing on the same roster the same years with the same talent, C.J. Beathard's 1-9. and nine. So that's the difference in going from C.J. Beathard to Jimmy Garoppolo. So it, the, the key to this season is, is Garoppolo being healthy, having another year in Shanahan's playbook. And then the question now is who's going to be the number one receiver? Well, the number one receiver is probably going to be a tight end in George Kittle, as you mentioned, one of the best tight ends in the league. So that's going to be something that's uh, targeted heavily from the start. But who's going to step up on the outside? I think the 49ers expected it to be. Dante Pettis, it hasn't quite happened yet. A little bit of a, a sophomore slump for Pettis leading into this season, and he's been called out by his coach. They want to see a more aggressive player. They want to see him play with more uh, urgency. But even if Pettis kind of slides into even a number three role and disappoints a little bit, you still have the rookie Debo Samuel, who at some point I fully expect to be a starter and a high-impact player, even if he's not a big part of the game plan in week one. Watch out for him when he's in the game on reverses, though, by the way. He's going to get the ball handed to him at least one time in week one, and he's been really good at that in the preseason so far. And then you have the speedster in uh, in Marquise Goodwin out there on the other side. So the identity is yet to show itself for the 49ers, but there's enough talent, and it's still developing, and we'll see what that is, and I think we'll learn a lot more on Sunday. Yeah, and those uh, <clears throat> those handoffs to, to wide receivers are something that the Buccaneers have – Definitely had some problems with in the in the recent past. Hopefully Todd Bowles gets that fixed. But yeah, I uh I might be chewing my fingernails down a little bit as soon as I see Debo get a handoff. Yeah, and and he runs like a man and and he's and he's exactly the opposite and exactly what Shanahan had talked about he wanted to see in Dante Pettis. And I think that's why he targeted players like Debo Samuel and Jalen Hurd in the draft. He wanted players who were physical and went out there and he got the name Debo for a reason. That's not his real name. That was his nickname because he was stealing kids toys on the block back at home. So that's just the mentality he plays with the balls his when it's in the air and he runs with power and he's built kind of like a running back. So I'm excited to see Debo Samuel, even if I don't think he's going to be starting in week one at some point this year, he will be a starter. And, uh, and, and I think he could be a dynamic player for the 49ers, but still some questions on how that offense is going to look and where in his development and under Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo is because he didn't get that full year that he needed last year in the system. And so hopefully just, taking mental reps and being around the team was enough to have him really be in full control of that offense. Yeah. And, and before we, we move on and, and flip it over to the Buccaneers, why don't you give the Buccaneers fan listeners, uh, give us one name on offense and one name on defense to really keep an eye on. That's not, you know, the, the George Kittles and the, the Nick Bosa's or, or D Ford's of the world. Yeah, I would say offensively, keep an eye on the 49ers offensive line because I think on paper they're returning all five starters, but Joe Staley got beat a couple times in the preseason and he did get a new two-year contract extension, but he's not the youngest guy. So uh, I would be worried a little bit about the older guys on the 49ers that most fans are probably like, okay, good. You plug in Joe Staley over here at left tackle. You plug in Richard Sherman over here at cornerback, and those two players are set, and they're solid, and they're going to be their great selves forever. And at some point, they're going to start falling off. So I would just keep an eye on them and see if they are still the guys that they were. And I don't, I'm not saying that I don't think they are because I haven't seen that. But, you know, Joe Staley got beat a couple times, and that offensive line worries me a little bit because there's not a ton of depth. And if either Staley or McGlinchey get hurt, the offensive tackle depth, 
depth is not good. And it's not good around the league. So the 49ers aren't alone in that. And then Weston Richburg at center is coming off an injury and he still hasn't seen the field yet. And he might get his first action uh, in week one and get the start there. Cause he just came back from his knee injury that he's been dealing with all th- he played through it last year. And, and um, he's finally back from that. And so offensive line, I'm a little bit worried about, even though I think on paper it looks good, there is still some question marks there uh, up front. So that's what I'd be looking at if I was uh, looking at the 49ers and trying to figure out what's going on there. And, of course, Matt Breida is going to be the guy. George Kittle is going to be the guy. You don't have to worry about them at all. Um, actually, And real quick on the defense side of the ball, I mentioned him already, but Fred Warner. Fred Warner is one of the very good young linebackers in the league, and I think this year he might start to get some recognition. Most guys who come – from day one and are starters and play as well as he did last year, get a lot of pub, but for some reason, nobody's talking about him, I guess, because there's so many other storylines going on with the 49ers, but Fred Warner is a player to watch. He's a, he's a stud in my opinion. All right. All right. Well, you know, the big news at, uh, you know, around the Buccaneers world is that Vita Vea and Levante David, both who missed the majority of uh training camp in the preseason, Levante had a, a procedure done on his knee Vita Vea with the, uh, ankle issue. Um, yeah, they, they returned to practice and Levante was talking about, you know, his, as he calls him, his little brother, Quan coming back to town and they're both really excited to face each other. But that was something that, that the Buccaneers were really kind of concerned about was, were they going to have Levante David and Vita Vea ready for week one? And it, it appears that both of them will be playing. They, they released their uh, first initial depth chart today, Vita Vea is listed as the starting nose tackle. Levante's listed, of course, as a starter next to Devin White at inside linebacker. So, you know, there there's a couple of, of run stoppers right there to get ready for uh, for Matt Burita and Tevin Coleman. Yeah, that running game and uh, the, the Shanahan wide zone is a fun one because it just seems to get everybody. And, and the one thing that, it hasn't been able to do for the 49ers is get points on the board. So the 49ers have been able to put up yards and not put the ball in the end zone. And when things get condensed down at the goal line, that's where, you know, you've got big guys like Vita Vea taking up space inside and, and some range in your linebacking group. And it's, it's, it makes things a lot more difficult to run the ball than it does in between the twenties. So that's definitely something I'd be looking at with the 49ers running the ball uh, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but one thing I am very interested in, I think one of the, the key matchups for the 49ers that they have to win coming into this and correct me if I'm wrong, um, I, I would feel like that the 49ers defensive front with their size, their athleticism, adding Nick Bosa in the offseason, adding D Ford in the offseason to give him speed off the edge, to go with Buckner inside, to go with Solomon Thomas, who's going to move around and be rushing from the interior a lot, and Eric Armstead, and got five first-round picks there on the defensive front. What is that? What is the shape of the Tampa Bay offensive line that's going to be facing the strength of the 49ers team right now, which is that defensive front? Um, If the preseason game against the Cleveland Browns, who I would argue have the best front seven in the NFL, if that game is any indication, uh, Jameis Winston is going to be looking at the blue sky of, of Tampa, Florida a lot. Um. Here's the thing about the offensive line. They are not great. I would say that they are certainly average. But when you're going up against an above average front seven like the 49ers, there are some problems there. So it's going to they're going to have to to rely heavily on OJ Howard being able to help out 
with pass blocking. And of course, if he's helping out with with blocking, he's not out there to catch passes, which takes away a huge weapon. But that's why you need guys like Peyton Barber and Daria Gunbawale out there to help pick up blitzes and give Jameis just a little bit more time. You know, Ronald Jones is not a, a pass blocker by any means. And, uh, and Dare's not great, but he's not terrible. He's definitely not as bad as Ronald Jones is. Um, it's going to have to be a lot of running the ball, you know, at, attacking, you know, an aggressive defense with the running game. A lot of quick, short, high percentage passes to, uh, you know, to allow them to move the ball without Jameis getting completely blasted from every direction. This offensive line has a lot of work to do. And facing off against the Niners week one is, is not an ideal situation for that offensive line. But they have what they have. You you, you kind of have to do the best you can with it. So I think the game plan is definitely going to be attack them with, with the run game and then quick short passes to guys like, of course, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, uh, you know, Cameron Braid is still there. They have a, uh, a speedster rookie wide receiver in Scotty Miller who can take a, a three yard slant, 70 yards in the blink of an eye. So that's going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, that's going to have to be the attack plan unless they want to see Jameis just get completely bludgeoned all afternoon. Yeah, that's interesting, and and that's a smart way to play it. And my question would be, and it's the reason I wanted to highlight that matchup is because it's so important on multiple levels. Because if the 49ers are able to stop the run first and and be in you know in in down and distance situations that allows them to go after Jameis Winston, Bruce Arians' offense is in the past, and I don't know if you have a really good feel about what the offense is going to look like right now for the Bucks. But he likes a lot of five-step drops, seven-step drops, and chuck the ball down the field a little bit, which would be a strength of Jameis Winston's if he's able to stay upright and not have pass rushers in his face. And with with those weapons on the outside, uh, if they are able to stay blocked, that would be the other matchup I'm thinking about is that secondary for the 49ers, which there are still some young developing players there and some questions. And last year, they couldn't cover anybody opposite Richard Sherman's side. And so... Um, if they if he does have time and they are able to run the ball, slow down that pass rush of the 49ers and and get the ball down the field to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard over the middle, uh, that would be where I, I think the the Bucks could have a win on the 49ers, potentially, depending on how that secondary has developed for the 49ers and they've shown signs of being much better this year. But we'll see. We still want to see it on the field. But that's why the the matchup up front is so important because the Bucks need to get to that point where they can take advantage with their weapons on the outside. And my question there would be, uh, well, there's two questions. First, how is that Arians offense or uh, if it's even Arians offense anymore, because I know he's not officially the offensive coordinator there in Tampa. And secondary question would be, tell me about Chris Godwin. Are we finally going to see that Godwin breakout season in 2019? Well, the, Here's the thing about the Bruce Arians offense. It's definitely still an, an Arians offense. And, uh, you know, Byron Leftwich will be the one calling plays. But, you know, this is this is based off of Bruce's initial quote-unquote system. He doesn't really have a system. He, he preaches that his system is his players. But this is a playbook that was created by both Bruce and Byron. And I'm sure Jameis had had some input as to what plays are going to help him out and, and what he's comfortable doing. So it's going to be playing to the, the strength of, of his team. And yeah, that will include some five, seven step drops, letting it fly. You know, they have, 
speedy guys in, in Perryman and Scotty Miller. Yeah, you know, his Jameis gets knocked a lot for his his deep ball accuracy, but you go back and you watch the past couple of years when he's throwing deep balls to Mike Evans and Bobo Wilson and uh, and Chris Godwin. He connects. He got a bad rap because he couldn't connect with Deshaun Jackson, and I think that's because there was a problem with a a relationship connection, not just on the field but off. Um, so they're going to pick their spots and they're still going to take their shots, but yeah, it's it's going to have to be very very selective. And of course, we all know that Bruce is the type of guy that he doesn't care if it's third and one. You know, if if Jameis has Mike Evans you know, against Richard Sherman one-on-one, he'll throw a 40-yard pass on third and one. Uh, you know, the last time that that Evans faced Richard Sherman, you know, he, he finished the day with eight receptions, 104 yards, and two touchdowns. So there's no fear whatsoever if Sherman is the guy lined up across for Mike Evans. Um, as far as Chris Godwin is concerned, look, you you are talking to somebody who is – all in on hashtag 12 season. This is going to be Godwin's breakout party. I have been on record both on the Locked On Bucks podcast and at BucksNation.com that I believe the Bucks will have three 1,000-yard receivers, and that will be Evans, Godwin, and O.J. Howard, given if they all stay healthy. Um, Chris Godwin could be a number one receiver for – five or six other teams right now today. And the fact that he's paired up with a, in my opinion, top five receiver in the NFL is only going to create more opportunity for him because now the defense is, you, you have to pick your poison. Are you going to focus on shutting down Mike Evans for the day? Well, that's going to leave Chris Godwin and OJ Howard, you know, with single coverage and OJ Howard's a human mismatch. So now if you have to put a linebacker on Howard and bring in safety help, well, now you got Chris Godwin one-on-one who had the best contested catch rate of any wide receiver in his draft class. The guy is an absolute stud, and he is going to explode. So if you are waiting to do your fantasy draft until, I guess, today, since you know we have a game tomorrow, uh, yeah, draft Chris Godwin because yeah, he's going to score Godwin, you lots and lots of points. Put those guys on your fantasy football team. I do have Godwin on one of my teams. And uh, if you're a member of either draft Twitter or fantasy football Twitter, there is a lot of uh, love for Chris Godwin out there. In fact, I saw one person say that the good God above actually saw into the future and named himself after Chris Godwin. That's how much love <laughs> there is for the talent of Chris Godwin and expecting that breakout in 2019. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. I I was really excited when he was drafted, and <clears throat> now that he's not having to battle for time with, um, you know, Diva Jackson, uh, he's going to get his fair share, and he's he's really going to take advantage of the situation. Bruce Arians said during training camp that Chris Godwin will never come off the field. That's got to be that's got to be making a lot of people happy that are excited about uh, Chris Godwin's future. And the talent has always been there. So I can't wait for that breakout. And Deshaun Jackson gone. You called him the diva there. I, I could sense a little bit of uh, animosity toward Deshaun Jackson. He's uh, yeah, he'll do that. You're not the only person that uh, gets uh, has been tired of. He seems to wear out his welcome. I'll put it that way with Deshaun Jackson. Hey, real quick, James, I got a question long term about Jameis Winston. And for those 49ers fans listening to this show, I'm sure you've talked a lot about his future. But what does Jameis Winston have to do to earn that mega contract and stay in Tampa forever? He's just he has to be smart. He has to make better decisions. 
And we've seen, we've actually seen flashes of it in the preseason. I know it's kind of crazy to talk about how a smart decision is taking a sack, but you know, I'll point to the Cleveland game again. He was sacked five times in one half. Two years ago, even last year, Jameis, under that kind of pressure, would have been just throwing balls up for grabs, forcing passes, trying to get rid of the ball, and turning it over. This year's Jameis will tuck and take the sack and live to play another down. He will scramble and pick up three or four yards and get out of bounds and live to play another down. So I'm hoping that that maturity is going to continue to spill over into the regular season. He won't regress into some old habits where he just tries to do too much. And Bruce Arians even said it. He said, we don't need Jameis to be Superman. He wants to be Superman out there. He wants to make every play. He feels like the entire game is on his shoulders, and we don't need that from him. We have to put a better team around him. We have to give him a running game. We have to give him a defense. And they've done those things. you know, a lot of people are still questioning the run game. I have all the faith in the world in Peyton Barber, given the opportunity. You know, he played really well last year under Dirk Cutter until Cutter would stop letting him have the ball. So, uh, you know, and, and with Todd Bowles running the defense, if the Buccaneers just had an average defense, even if they were ranked 20th in the NFL last year, you're talking about three more wins. You're talking about a 500 season. But this defense has been so historically bad that any time the Bucs had the ball, if they didn't score, they knew that the hole was going to get dug deeper because the defense couldn't stop a nosebleed with a hospital full of gauze. <laughs> so, you know, Jameis can, can finish the season, yeah, or the Bucs can finish the season seven and nine, and Jameis can get that contract if he shows the intelligence and the wherewithal to just be a smarter quarterback and and make better on the field decisions and and not be so up and down. We don't need a, a four touchdown game and then a four interception game. There has to be a happy medium. And and with that, it's going to turn into wins. So I'm actually pretty confident that Jameis will become the first quarterback the Buccaneers have ever drafted to get a second contract. And it wouldn't surprise me in the least if it happens during the season rather than before the season is over. Interesting. During the season re-up, that hasn't been the way that uh, anybody's been doing things lately. Everybody seems to be going at the last second and, and either holding out or you know threatening a holdout. So well, that would be refreshing to see a team get something done and, and, and not have to go through that whole thing. Um, well, and as we're recording, I don't know if you saw it or not, a Ooh, division rival probably. of yours. Jared Goff has has what? agreed to a four year extension. Breaking news! I don't have a sound effect for it. Here we go. No, that didn't work. I I don't have any <laughs> sound effects for the Jared, for the for the breaking news. I love breaking news on the show. Okay, so Jared Goff, uh, do we have numbers? Uh, no numbers. It just said that, uh, and this was from I was getting notifications from both Rappaport and Schefter, so I don't remember who said it, but he's. It looks like he's going to be locked up to be their quarterback through twenty twenty four. Um, four year yeah, just a, a four year extension, uh, tying into the team year. for, for yeah, the next six years. What what was that? A thirty two mil per year. Here, this is from uh, Ian Rappaport. Thirty two mil for four years. Big deal. It's a big contract. James is going to have to try to go over that. I'm guessing. Smart move. Get it done first. You know, honestly, and, and I early. 
I know a lot of people want to believe that their their players will do this, but I truly, truly believe that Jameis is going to be the kind of quarterback that isn't going to try to get the top dollar deal. He's going to try to leave some money on the table because he knows that they have guys that they have to re-sign coming up and, and they're in such a, a cap crunch that I could see yeah. Jameis taking a, a three or four year deal in the 24 to 28 range rather than trying to top that 30 number and say, look, you know, we have to make sure that we can pay uh, OJ Howard here soon. We have to make sure that we can pay, you know, um, Devin White here in a few years. We got to make sure I, Chris Godwin is only going to have one year left on his deal. He's going to have to get re-signed. So and I can see James Godwin. being the guy that, that leaves some money on the table. Yeah, Godwin's going to be the highest paid receiver in the league, right, when he's up. Uh, ooh, I don't oh, know. No. <laughs> After is that he, next breakout that's coming right now, is he? I don't think he can get more than Mike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mike Evans has has over a thousand yards every year of his career, oh, yeah. and and Godwin hasn't topped it once. So I don't think he's going to get Mike money. <laughs> I like uh, no. I, you're speaking to the choir there. There, I love me some uh, Mike Evans, but uh, um, I still I do love. I love the idea of the Godwin breakout finally, and everyone's going to be very excited about it on Twitter. That's been team Godwin for so long waiting for that breakout to happen. I guess we got to do a little bit of a prediction here, right? Absolutely. And you know what? Uh, you are the away team. So okay. I will give you honors to, to go first. Whew. Uh, being the away team has been rough for the 49ers. Actually, we got to go back to 2017 for the 49ers to have a road win. It was uh, actually Jimmy Garoppolo showed up, won three games of, those five games he won at the end of 2017 were road games. And last year, the 49ers went 0 and 8 on the road. But a lot of that was without Jimmy Garoppolo. And that first, uh, those two matchups were very tough matchups against the Minnesota Vikings and the Kansas City Chiefs, where those losses came under Jimmy Garoppolo. So uh, I, I am going to say that the 49ers do get off the schneid on the road and are able to beat the Buccaneers. Buccaneers gave up the most points in the NFC last year, so hopefully the 49ers can muster enough points offensively against that Bucs defense and are able to pressure Jameis Winston all day, make life difficult there, maybe even get a turnover, of which they only had three interceptions all season last year, and uh, come away with the win. I'm going to say 27-24. Squeaking out of there with a Robbie Gold field goal, 49ers over the Bucs. All right. <clears throat> now you 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 mentioned at the beginning of the show watching Quan Alexander in preseason and being able to hear him audibly yell on the broadcast because he was so excited. Yeah. There's one thing Buccane Buccaneers fans know, it's when Quan gets excited, he makes mistakes. He's up. Okay. Yeah, he can he can be a little over aggressive, he can over pursue. And not only is he returning to the NFL, but he's returning to the team that would not pay him in their home stadium. And I have a feeling it's going to lead to a few mistakes on Quan Alexander's part. As far as the defense, what we saw from the Buccaneers defense in preseason isn't anything close to what we are going to see from the Buccaneers defense in the regular season. Todd Bowles loves to bring pressure from all different angles. He will blitz any and everyone on that team. And I think the Bucs start off on a strong note. Give me the Bucs 30 to 23. One thing that uh, I do like for the 49ers that's in their favor that was surprising when I first saw, saw the schedule. And apparently it's because 
is there a, there's a concert going on the night before? Is that what it is? Why it's a one o'clock Pacific time start like it usually would be if this game was happening on the West Coast? There is a concert happening on Sunday right before the game. Tim that McGraw day. will be performing. It is free admission for anyone who has tickets to the game that you get a Tim McGraw concert oh. before kickoff. And that's part of the, the NFL 100 promotion, you know, set up by the NFL that, that some of these, uh, some of these games are going to have pregame concerts by some, some major names. And the 49ers get to wear their whites in that humid heat. Do we have a, a temperature yet for Sunday? Uh, I honestly, I have no idea, but by four o'clock, you know, when, when you're kicking off, chances are we're going to run into some sort of, of weather delay because it'll storm around the end of the third, beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, I think at this point, it, it really isn't going to matter much. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's something that, that gets emphasized a lot. But at the end of the day, you know, the difference between wearing white and red isn't that different. <laughs> Whereas, you know, if you're making the Saints wear their black uniforms, you know, that that can have a little bit of an effect but i don't think it'll have any any impact on the outcome of the game i'm looking at it right now it looks like a partly cloudy 88 degrees so i think everyone's going to be okay with that it's been i'm sure nearing 100 been mid 90s a lot in the santa clara area for the 49ers at practice so they're going to be okay they're going to be used to some uh, weather maybe not quite the the humidity but yeah, I, I think that might be overblown. I think the one o'clock starts a bigger deal for the 49ers just to get that little extra bit of rest as they normally would in a west coast start yeah yeah that's a great point so and you know that i i i hate when they schedule these 430 games for for the bucks in tampa you know in september and october because it you do get that daily rainstorm and and it has led to lightning delays and yeah i remember a few years ago against the broncos there was a, a 25 or 30 minute delay with two minutes left in the game and the the bucks just lost all the momentum that they had marching down the field and ended up losing so prepare yourself for uh maybe some sloppy football there towards the end if it if it starts pouring down and with how little the starters played in the preseason it might be a little bit sloppy already so let's just bring the rain and just have a slop fest and see what happens yeah i i'm i'm all in (laughs) (laughs) just make sure it counts it's real football that's what really matters at this point All right. Well, excited to get the season kicked off, excited to get, uh, you know, regular season crossover Wednesday episodes kicked off. And and Brian, I certainly appreciate some of your time tonight. Oh, yeah. Anytime. Great talking to you and uh, good luck to you the rest of the way. And uh, congrats on all your success there with the podcast. I know the numbers are growing. Yeah, you as well, sir. You as well. And of course, everyone can check out everything Brian is doing over at the Locked On 49ers podcast and follow him on Twitter at BD Peacock. You can check out everything that I'm doing over at BucksNation.com and follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. Hope you all have a wonderful Wednesday. And thank you so much for joining us right here on Crossover Wednesday. Labels out here, now they can't tell me nothing. We give it to the people, spread it across the country. Here we go back, this is the moment.